like Sarah said, I started a series on lessons from Nehemiah. And uh, the whole story of Nehemiah is really about a story of restoration. So if, if, you, if you don't know the story, the people of God who should have lived in Jerusalem and there should have been God's dwelling there and they should have been a light to the nations, they'd kind of sinned and they'd gone into captivity. And for 70 years, that's where they'd been. And then they, some of them came back and the walls were all broken down. And there's a guy called Nehemiah. He's a cupbearer for a king and he's outside of Jerusalem. And it comes and he hears that there's a problem in Jerusalem with the people of God. And all the wall, the city walls and the people keep getting raided. And it's, they're just in a mess. They're in disgrace. And Nehemiah feels on his heart he wants to go and do something about it. So the whole story of Nehemiah is about a guy who has a dream, has a vision. And he's used by God to go and see a city wall built back up. And, and, and they rally some people and they see this amazing, you know, amazing vision fulfilled of the city walls built back up. But then last week I shared about the importance also of not just the walls being built up of the city, but the inner place or the dwelling place of God, the temple of God needed to be put back in place because it was about where God dwelt in his rule and his kingdom and out of that everything else comes. So last week I talked about the importance of making sure that happened. And what they did is they brought the word of God out and they taught the teachings which they'd forgotten about and they'd forgotten who they are as children of God. So what happens is the people then rise up and they begin to celebrate and rejoice. And it says there's joy in the place because God's presence is there. And I said that in God's presence, David said in the Psalms, there is fullness of joy in his presence. It says there's peace and righteousness in God, but there is fullness of joy in his presence. And this is a story of restoration of a city and a people, but God's, more importantly, involved in the plan and the destiny of restoring you and me and everybody else in this world. So he wants to see not only people, but he wants to see his church built back up, like us coming together this morning. And it's a journey of restoration for each one of us. But we all have a decision to make whether we come on that journey or not. And this morning, I want to speak about something else that they do that helps them to restore something, which is in the Old Testament, but it also has application for the New Testament. And what they do is, in Nehemiah, they decide to make agreement to put some things back in place that they've neglected. Anybody ever neglected anything? I tried to grow chrysanthemums last year. My dad was a master at it. He was a champion chrysanthemum grower, right? And I thought, I'm going to have a go last year. I neglected them a little bit. I didn't water them. I didn't feed them. I didn't take the shoots off. Apparently, you're supposed to take the shoots off because all the goodness. I, didn't, I neglected them. And then when I looked at them, I was a little embarrassed by what they looked like compared to my dad's. Anybody ever neglected anything? Left anything? Left the car or not? looked after or, you know, left the house or the roof that needed. We neglect something, it ends up in a mess. Basically, the people of God neglected the way that they should live. They'd become self-consumed. They were, it was all about them. They'd forgotten about what God wanted them to do. And what they hadn't done is they hadn't separated themselves from the evil that was going on in the world. They'd married into evil practices. So children had been sacrificed and various things. So God had said, do not marry with those people, but keep yourselves holy. And they hadn't done that. So they'd make a de an agreement and they say in Nehemiah chapter 10, we're not going to live like that anymore, but we're going to live and marry our own people. And then 
Also, what we're going to do, we're going to keep the Sabbath holy because we're working the Sabbath and we're not resting on the Sabbath, what God told us to do. So we're actually burning out and wearing out and we're so consumed that we haven't even considered God in life. So he said, well, we'll get the Sabbath back again and we won't work on the Sabbath. And then they also say, we'll bring in the offerings into the storehouse. We'll go and bring our tithes in, our grain offerings, our guilt offerings. All of our offerings, because of our sin, need to come to the house of God and to be offered so that the people who are working in the temple, they're actually being fed instead of scrimping around and scrounging and not having food. We've neglected the people of God, and the house of God now isn't functioning properly because we've not brought our store, our tithe into the offering. Are you still my friend? We're not talking money. It's okay. It's all right, you can still come to you. I'm not going to ask for your money this morning. Like Sheridan says, God might ask for your heart, but he's not after your money. Okay? So they brought there and filled this storehouse. That's what they should have done, but they hadn't done. So if you read in one of the prophets, Malachi, Malachi says these words. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house. And test me in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Does anybody want heaven open this morning? Does anybody want a blessing that overflows this morning? Now, Malachi came and said, you've been robbing the house of God. You've been robbing God's house. God's presence is not there because the whole thing that should have been functioning, working together has ground to a halt. Therefore, there's no offering going up to God. There's no worship for him. Therefore, God's presence is not there and you've lost sight of who you are as a children of God. So you need to put these things back in place, he says. Are you still with me? It's part, of the re- it's part of the restoration process of putting God first. Why? Because, not because of them, but because there are people that God wants to get to as well. So there are nations that God wants to reach when there's times of famine because he loves people. But because the storehouse is not full, it doesn't go outside of the walls. They become selfish. They were in sin. They were consumed with me, I, us, what we can do rather than what God wants, and how he wants his storehouse full of of resource. And I want to speak to you about this this morning, because here's another scripture, Deuteronomy 28, verse 12. It says this, the Lord, this is before, this is promised to the people of God. Imagine he's saying to them, I want you to trust me and do this. If you do this, I'll pour out a blessing. And they neglected and forgot God's promise. The Lord will open for you his good storehouse. Not bad storehouse, not little bits. He's got a good storehouse for you. The Lord will open for you his good storehouse, the heavens, to give rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand and you shall lend to many nations. There you go. So they should have been lending to many nations. But then it says, but shall not borrow. Wow. You're going to be so full. You're going to be so fruitful. You're going to be so full of goodness. You're going to be so full of mercy that many people are going to come to you for look for it. But you won't need to borrow from them. But they're going to be after it from you. Now, this is what we call the good news in the New Testament. We've got a generation that's starving, spiritually starving, and God wants to open up heaven for you so it can flow in you and flow out of you to those around you. 
He wants to say, my storehouse is full of goodness. And there is no lack in my storehouse. There's no lack in God this morning. Who believes that? I thought it was great what he shared this morning on the limitations, because that's what I'm speaking on. I want to speak to your minds this morning, your hearts this morning, and help you to remove any limitations on your life. It's a journey of faith, and we're going to go there a little bit in a moment. But I want to say this first, there's no lack in God. And I'll prove that to you this morning. You read the scriptures, you look at Jesus Christ, and I'm going to ask the question this morning, and you can debate with me. I know the Bible a little bit, but I don't know it probably as much as some of you. Can I say that? Some of you are probably more scholar, you know, you're more educated than me, you might know more than me. But I've got a question that I want you to see if you can answer for me. Was there any lack in Jesus Christ? Well, just take a minute, because somebody might know something different than me. Janet, are you, you, you're happy with that this morning? I just want to, was there any lack of compassion in Jesus? No. I can't find any. Was there any lack of mercy in Jesus? Come on, it's like school this morning, and the teacher's up here. Was there any lack of love in Jesus? No. So that tells me that Jesus, the Bible says, that Jesus is made in the image of God. So that tells me there's no lack in Jesus, there's no lack in God. And if there's no lack in God, then there's no lack in heaven, because God is in heaven. Now we can have a debate over the theology of that, but you hear my heart and what I'm saying. There is no limitations on God's love and what he has for you. He's not holding it back and saying, I'm not going to give you my storehouse this morning. Because Deuteronomy says, I will give you my good storehouse. If you will trust me, I will give you my good storehouse. Now, in that, in that context, they were talking about rain coming down so that their crops would grow. So everything they put their hand to, it would grow and produce a harvest. And then that harvest, they could bring some into the storehouse of God and it could go out to many nations. Look at Joseph, what he does with his wisdom and how he goes to Egypt and he fills the storehouse so that it can go to many nations. That's what happens in God. But you know, when I read this, you think, well, that's okay that there's a harvest. But in the New Testament, it's slightly different than that. God's talking about not just pouring out rain from heaven. He's talking about pouring out his precious son and pouring out his blood and pouring out his forgiveness and pouring out his mercy that penetrates our hearts and our sin and penetrates our soul so it renews us from our guilt and our past and our shame, this is the gospel. And there's no limitation on that. It's not like, oh, I've been too much of a sinner or my guilt's too much. God says there's no limitation on my love. There's no limitation on my grace that you don't deserve it, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. So I want to speak to you this morning if you've got a lack mentality. Because there's no lack in God. The only one who's doubting or lacking is you. Okay? And we all do it. We all mess up. We all neglect things. We've, we've got a past. We've got areas of our life that God wants to speak into so that we will have an abundant life and live life to the full. He wants you to be fulfilled and live life to the full. Are you listening to me this morning? And God has a storehouse in heaven that does not lack. It has no limitations. And he wants it to be available to you. And he wants you to have the mindset that says, that storehouse is mine and it's coming into my life. Are you still with me this morning? So how do we do this? How do we move from a lack mentality 
to a full mentality, an abundant life. Does anybody want this? Or do you want to stay lack? Or do you want to break through? Do you want to prosper? Do you want to be able to help other nations? Do you want to see the, the, the Spirit of God work in your life so you've got a testimony that you can tell someone that God has set you free from debt? He's set you free from your, from your lack of worth, the, the lack of worth within you that you beat yourself up, that God has set me free. Does anybody want this? Or do you want to stay there? Because the Israelites had a choice to go into the promised land or not. And they went in the promised land and guess what was there? Giants and strongholds. Do you still want it? Do you want to go? Does anybody want breakthrough? Okay, are we going to go then? Are you with me? I want to take, I'm not going, there's a few of you not there yet. Are you coming with me? Listen, I love you and I'll hold your hand and when it gets snotty, I'll give you a tissue and we'll get through it together. We'll make a pool of snot on the floor. We'll do a snot dance around the mess. Hallelujah. Yeah? God is bigger than the snot. Amen? Are you with? Oh, it's okay. You can go. Are we ready? Are we going? So there's a battle here between faith and doubt. Jesus said, he heals someone, right? He opens their eyes and he says this. It is done unto you because of the measure of faith that you have. Are you hearing that? I'm not sure God wants to prosper me. Well, you need to change that doubt. That there's no, there's, no, there's no lack in heaven. There's no resource in heaven that's been held back. The whole resource of heaven has been given to you through Jesus Christ. And then in Jesus Christ, he promised to send the Holy Spirit that comes to fulfill you and equip you and empower you so you can live an abundant life. God's not lacking. It's you that's lacking in here. Are you still with me this morning? So there's a battle between faith and doubt. Jesus said to someone, opening their eyes, as your faith it will be the measure of faith that you have. How's your faith this morning? How's your faith for life? Did you come in this morning with faith or did you just rock up? Oh, doggy now. I'm just being honest with you. Did you just rock up for a good time? Would you say, you know what? I'm coming, God. I'm coming. I'm believing for something this morning. Because what is faith? Faith is being confident or certain or sure of the hope. Okay? Of what? Things not yet seen. So you want abundance. Do you have hope for abundance? Do you have the presence of God? Do you have fullness of joy? Do you, I know you might not see it yet, naturally, but do you believe it? That's the difference. Faith, the Bible says, comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. So what's going to build you up is your hunger for the Word of God that will expand you and give you vision. Faith gives you vision. How's your vision this morning? How's your vision? How's your vision for life? Do you want a healthy life? Or do you want an unhealthy life? Do you want a prosperous life? Or do you want to be in debt? What's your vision? Are you living in lack or are you living in prosper? What's your vision? Are you hearing me? What's your vision? God wants to give you vision. An abundant vision for your life. He doesn't want you to stay in a poverty mindset. He wants to break it and smash it so you can prosper so that the overflow can go out of you into you, your family, your workplace, and everybody else. Faith is being sure, certain, confident. I'm confident. How confident are you this morning in the Word of God? Are you confident that your eternity is secure this morning? 
Do you, are, you, are you just guessing at it? Are you confident the word of God has been opened up to you and you understand that I am saved by the blood of the lamb? I am washed and cleansed and Jesus has resurrected me and given me eternal life. I'm not thinking I might be resurrected. I know I'm resurrected because I have hope in my heart this morning. I am confident of the thing that I don't yet see, but I have hope this morning because of Jesus Christ. That's faith. That's vision for your life. So look at your life and think, right, what do I want to see in my life now? What do I want to see changed? Maybe I just, God, I'm not a confident person. I want you to build my confidence that I can actually go and talk to that person over there who I struggle to speak to. What do you want? What abundance do you want in your life? Because if you don't have vision, you're not going to see it. That's step number one for faith is vision. Nehemiah had vision. He saw what it was. But he believed the word of God and he believed the favor of God in his life. And he asked God in prayer and he then believed that God was with him, showed him favor. And he went on a journey to see the vision that he'd hoped for. That's Nehemiah. What are you hoping for this morning? What are you hoping for this week? What are you hoping for? Do you want to get out of bondage? Do you want to get out of that lack of worth? Are you seeing what God says about you? Are you believing that that's the thing you're going to see in your life that you get set free? Or are you going to stay there? Are you still my friend this morning? So faith is the battle with doubt. Faith comes by dreaming. And then what do we do with faith? We make a decision. Oh, I've got faith, I've got vision. Well, you need to make a decision then. Are you going to walk in that vision? Well, what are we going to do? Well, you need to read what the Bible says. You need to maybe pray about it. And then you need to say, well, actually, I'm going to invest in me and I'm going to invest in someone else. Do you believe in the vision of this church? How, how much are you invested in it? Oh, it's a great vision. I see a river that's flooding. I see Jesus at the center. I see the life, a river going. And next to it, I see trees that are planted. I've told you the vision if you're part of this church. And I see the church growing strong, each one. But I see beyond that, more trees. That's a vision I see. Do you believe the vision? Do you see the vision of this church going? I saw this vision probably five years ago when we had 100 people and I see it's growing. And people looked at me when I said things. I'm like, no, 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 you need to understand. I am certain of the vision, what God has given me. And I see it. It's my hope. I see people coming into God's kingdom. Do you see it? Because if you see it, or you say, okay, I'll invest in it. I want to see the best welcome team in this house. I'm going to invest in that. I want to see the best welcome. I want to see the best musicians in this house. I'm going to invest in me. Or if you got to, are you going to back to, oh, I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure about this. I'll just do it because I've got to. No, 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 no. See the vision. Take action, make a decision, and step into it. That's it. It's got to make it happen. Faith without works is dead. It's just pie in the sky. It's not happening. I want to change my life. So what are you going to do? I need to get out of this. I'm, my job, I need a new job. Well, you're going to have to make a decision. Change job. Oh, makes sense. Got it. Oh, I'm going to have to go back and do some education. Go back and do some education. Doubt's coming at you. The battle's there. But you're going to have to make a decision. What are you going to do with your time, your money, your energy? Where are you going to channel it? Are you going to channel it into what you want to become? Or are you just going to stay in lack and where you think that heaven is not open? Are you still my friend now? I've told you you've got to do something. Is this making sense? Are you still with me? So faith goes vision. Then it goes, right, I made a decision. Then what happens? There's a delay. Why isn't it happening the way I want it to happen? I had vision, but it's not happening. Joseph has a vision. Wow. Brother's bowing down to him. Then he spends another so many years in prison and being, you know, abused by his brothers, put in prison, gets wrongly accused. What's that about? Delay. 
of your faith. See, faith is like a seed and it has to grow. Your measure of faith needs to grow. And we think, right, the vision, it's all about the vision. No, it's not. It's about your faith growing. Unto you it will be given. So your faith is going to grow. Wow, I've got a vision. God's with me. Right, I've made a decision. I'm committing my life to Jesus Christ. I want to believe in the Holy Spirit, okay? Now there's a process of delay in that, that you're waiting for God. And in the waiting, you're growing. In the waiting, you're learning to be patient. You're creating an expectancy for God to move. Or we say, do you know what? Do the next one. I don't want to carry on anymore. I don't want to persevere. I'll just go back and I can't be bothered. Come on, your faith is growing. Where are you? We all get to these stages. We all have great vision. Then we make a decision. Then it doesn't happen. And we have to decide, am I still believing the vision? Because faith has been sure of the things I don't yet see. And I don't yet see it, but I'm in faith and I have a hope that this is going to happen. Okay, are you with me? So we say, oh, it, it, it's going to happen and I'm going to persevere. I'm going to keep going. Proverbs 2 verse 7 says, he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. So what lesson can we learn from that? Through this delay, do what's right. Do what's right in the delay. Do what's right in the storm. Do what's right when it doesn't go the way you... Do what's right because God has got stored for you in heaven wisdom that he can give to you on earth. But it matters when you do what's right. Integrity. Don't slip back and go, I can't be bothered anymore. It's apathy. Say, no, I am committed. I made a decision. I'm committed. And actually, in the delay, I'm still expectant and waiting on God. And I will be faithful and be obedient and learn what he says to do. It's faith growing. It's growing. I want to see them trees big and rooted in God. I'm excited this morning. I want to see them rooted in the river in Jesus Christ. I want to see them grow. And I want to expand. And I want to see them beyond the eye can see. So, are you still with me? So, faith then, it goes to it delay, and then this is the one, you're going to love this one. You ready? This is the one we all love. Difficulty and circum- difficult circumstances. Are you getting that? I don't think anybody would sign up for this journey if they knew it was that one. I want to follow Jesus, and Jesus is going to make everything wonderful. Yeah, but he wants to grow your faith. So what happens is we have vision, then we step out, and you know, then, then we have delay. Then all of a sudden, like Nehemiah, everybody, these guys start coming to him and telling, telling him that he's, gonna, he's not going to build these walls. See, you're not going to do that. You're not good enough. What are you doing that for? You'll, you'll never be a teacher. You'll, you'll never be a nurse. You'll never make a difference. You're rubbish at that. See, you've been rejected now. You're not good enough. Are you still got the vision? Or are you still my friend this morning? Are you hearing this? God always develops faith through difficulties. Joseph, difficulties. Abraham, like, God, you give me a vision. Look up. Yeah, look at the stars. Look at all the, look at the vision you've given me. But I haven't even got a child. It's getting difficult. It's not working. What's happening? I'm frustrated. It's growing your faith. It's through the difficulties that you learn the things of God, that you learn the resource of the storehouse, that there is no lack in God. He's teaching you not to rely on your vision. He's teaching you to rely on him, more importantly, than the vision. So James 1, 2 to 5 says this. Consider it pure joy. There's joy in the presence of God. 
Are you ready? There's joy in the presence of God. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith that is growing produces perseverance. Are you going to keep going or are you going to give in? Are you going to be a one who's, you know, is going to go back to the lack or you're going to be hanging on and grabbing onto the abundance? Are you going to be someone that has some character in you that says, I'm not giving up when I get offended? Jesus didn't give up. I'm not giving up. I'm not going to leave. I'm going to hang in there. It says, let perseverance finish its work. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. Here we go. Not lacking anything. So he said, I'm lacking. I'm not good enough. I I, I, I need more. Well, perseverance needs to finish its work. The circumstances that you're in, dependent on how you react to them, will depend on how you come through them. If you moan and complain about them and cry out all the time, God still wants to develop you in and through them. He wants to learn that he's in control and you're not. That God is good, even though your circumstances don't look good. Are you still my friend this morning? This is how faith is developed. And I want to encourage you, where are you at this morning? You may have horrendous circumstances right now. I want to encourage you this morning. God is not finished with you in the horrendous circumstances. But he's growing your faith in and through them. This happens. Most people come to me, oh, this is happening. I lost my job. And that happens. God hasn't changed. He's not lacking. There's an abundance of resource and wisdom you can learn through from him so that you can get through him. That's what he says. You keep going, hang in. And then he says this, if any of you lacks, Okay, how, how do I get through this circumstance? How do I overcome? How do I break through? If you're lacking, what does he say? If any of you asks, lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously out of his storehouse to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. What stops you learning something new is your doubt. That's what stops us. Are you still my friend this morning? Are you still here? What's going to stop you having abundant life? Doubt. The difficulty comes and we think, oh, God's not with me. God is with you and he wants you to cry out to him and he wants you to ask for wisdom and he wants you to grow through your circumstances like roses in muck. He's saying, I'm growing something beautiful in and through you so that you come out the other side and then you can be a responsible person who can look after others as well. Rather than being so self-consumed, I need you to grow and to mature out of that sinful nature, which is self. And that's what they did in Nehemiah. They'd been consumed with themselves and they'd forgot to bring into the storehouse and fill the house. And God says, look, I've filled my house. It's full and I've emptied it for you. I've poured out my precious son, Jesus Christ. I cannot give any more to you. You just need to believe it and receive it. And when you're in need, you need to ask so that you can receive even more from me. Because I am not bad. I am good. And I say I'll give it to you. You just need to do it without doubting. Does God want you to have a fruitful life? Some of you have had some limitations. Some of you, you've gone to step two and then you've gone. I'm not sure if I want to go there now. Because I don't want bad circumstances. Look, 
God isn't arranging bad circumstances for you. He's not, let me plan today. Let me just murder someone. God's not doing that. God does not create bad things, right? God is good. But bad things happen because we live in a fallen fallen world. You agree? Then what God does is he uses it for good, right? For those who are called by God, it says Romans 8, 28, he uses it for good. So the mess and the muck, we don't like, but God says, I'm using it for good like Joseph. He meant it for good. Yeah, but God, my brother's put me in a pit. Yeah, but I meant it for good. And look what's happening, I'm bringing good out of it. Because I'm going to see my storehouse filled and emptied for, for nations so that Jesus Christ can come and be the savior of the world. See, God doesn't want you to lack. But So if you feel like you're lacking, what are you going to do? Ask. Prayer. Talk to him. Believe what the word of God says about you and ask and you will receive from God. You say, I'll come to the pastor and ask for wisdom. And I think that's okay sometimes, but I would rather you go to God and ask him for wisdom because he's got far more than me. You know, he knows how to grow chrysanthemums better than me, I tell you. There'll be big giant ones in heaven, bigger than me. And my dad will be looking after them all because he was a master at it. He'll have his own little shop, chrysanthemums, Keith's chrysanthemums will be, you know. Why? Because God knows more than me and more than you. And he has wisdom in abundance. He's stored it up in heaven for those who walk right and do what's right. It is yours and available for you to break through so you can live an abundant life. But there's another battle that's going on with with the flesh and the spirit. You need to understand this. It doesn't just happen. We are naturally sinful, selfish people. Okay? We are. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. And we want God to do something for our world, for me. We've all, we, 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 that, that's where we come from. But God wants us to grow as a mature so we, we go beyond that and into a spirit-filled life. One that is just not for itself, but considering others above itself, like Jesus Christ poured out his life. Okay? That's what he's calling us to do. So there's a part of us that's called the sinful side or the flesh. And the flesh just looks after itself. Selfish. Me. So how do we deal with the flesh? There's only one way of dealing with sin, and his name's Jesus Christ. Now, we have a choice how to respond to Jesus, whether we recognize that I can't deal with the selfishness, but Jesus has paid for the selfishness. Jesus has paid for my sin and myself. It's, it, 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 I don't like it. But then we have a choice who we follow. Do we get receive the Holy Spirit and be led by the Spirit that leads us, which always lines up to Jesus, which is the Word of God? And we have a choice whether we follow the Spirit or we follow the flesh. So, for example, me, I'm a pastor. And, you know, as you know, and that's my job, I've, I've got, you know, the privilege of doing this. But I am not exempt from sin. I, I know you might think I've got a gift and I'm, you probably think I'm something that I'm not. But I'm just an average everyday person who can sin. Uh, is that okay? Should I not say that? Is that, is that? is that surprising? Are you all you not sinners? We, we've, we built the church completely wrong. We need to smash it up and build it again. But you know, we're sinners, aren't we? And I'm not exempt from sin. Sin. And sometimes you see pastors in the news, they've fallen, they've made mistakes, they've, they've messed up. Well, they will because they're, 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 they're fallen creatures. Unlike you and me, we, we, we sometimes we fall into the fleshly ways where we're consumed by ourselves and we do what's wrong. We're not exempt from it. 
But if we come to God and come to Jesus Christ and we come to the cross, he gives us a way that we can overcome. And it's not actually in our strength, but it's in his strength. And this is what I want to touch on the last part of faith. Faith often sends us down a cul-de-sac. So we, we have circumstances, we have difficulties, then we get a dead end. Has anybody ended at a dead end? Anybody been down a dead end before? My streets are dead end. They go down thinking they're going to get out, and it's like, no, you can't. They're watching time. And they go, and they have to turn around and come back again. You know? Faith has a dead end. You will have a dead end at some point. You will face a cul-de-sac where it's impossible for you to get out. Moses goes into Egypt, rescues them, comes out, mighty acts of God. They all come out and they're coming along and then all of a sudden the enemy coming, Pharaoh's coming with all the army to wipe them out. And Moses must think, God, what's all this about? I've had enough difficulties back in Egypt. We're getting out, we're going to the promised land. Then all of a sudden we're stuck at this Red Sea. Dead end. Can't get out. Impossible. That's like sin. Sin is impossible for me and you to deal with. That's why we needed Jesus Christ. So don't try and deal with your own sin. Bring your sin to Jesus Christ. For forgiveness of sin. So that you know you're forgiven by grace, not by your own works. You know, you're not earning it. It's the gift of God. It's the grace of God. But sometimes in life, we try and do things in our own strength. We've got this vision. We've got this idea. And all of a sudden, we're doing all this thing. And we have difficulties. And we keep going. And we persevere. Then all of a sudden, it's like it hasn't worked. And you know what? That's a great place to be in. That's one of the best places you can be in. Because in that place, you can call to God who can make a way. You think, I'm stuck in this thing. I can't get out. I'm stuck in debt. I'm stuck in lack of worth. I I just can't get out of it. And I need God in my life. So I give up. It's a little bit like learning to uh, play on a, a, a trapeze. You know, at the circus. Has anybody ever had a go? What are they called? Trapezium? Trapeze? Trapeze artist? Any trapeze artists in here? I did think of trying to model this this morning. Rob's very good at modeling things. We're using most weeks. And I wondered if we could set one up over there, you know, and it swings across and we've got another one here, you know, and you think, well, no, it's no. And that's a little bit like you're at. You're at this one and you swing and you're like, well, I've got to let go now because I can't do it anymore. And God's got another thing for you to catch hold of here, but you just don't let let go. And God's saying, just let go and let me. So as you let go, it's like, I don't even know where I'm going into nothing. And all of a sudden, there's something there, and you've grabbed hold of it, and God's just changed something in you. That's what faith does. We have to take a risk in life sometimes. But sometimes we come to a dead end. Abraham came to a dead end. It's impossible, God. Look at my wife. She ain't producing babies. I love her, but she's too old to produce babies. I'm too old. Look at me. I'm not producing babies, God. You gave me vision. You gave me promise. I got faith. You know, you credit me as righteousness, but I'm at a dead end. It's not happening. Has anybody ever come to a dead end? Come on. We all got to come to a dead end at some point of something where it dies. Our flesh gives up. I did it with this church a few years back. I said to God, I'm, you know, before I took on the church, I said, God, I've had enough of your church. I've had enough of the mess it was in. I said, I give up. I, said, you can, I actually said, you can stuff your church. I did. Not, not since I've been a pastor, before I was a pastor. 
I said, I'm, I'm sick of the leadership. I'm sick of the way the church is going. I have had enough, God. I actually, Sarah said to me, go down the bottom room. You need a conversation with God. That means I need a conversation with God, <laughs> if Sarah says it. I said, you can stuff your church. I'm done. You know what I felt a whisper say to me? He said, now you're ready. I went, you what? That's not adding up to what I am saying. Now you say I'm ready. He says, yeah, I'll give you back to the church's gift. And that doesn't make sense in my mind. My flesh, my own effort gave up. And then God resurrects you by his spirit and gives you the abundance that he has for you and says, now you'll do it. And I will be glorified, not you, Paul. It's like, wow, God, you're so good because I can't do this. And sometimes I'll go back to my own flesh and think I've got to do it in my own strength. And God say, no, it's not in you, Paul. It's in me that you do this. And the freedom that you find when you let go and realize it's not in me, but it's in God is amazing. And the resource that you get from heaven is blinking awesome. It's far better than my effort and my resource that God, God has available for us. And I want to say, if you're at the dead end right now, God wants you to let go and hold on to him. That he's got resource for you that can actually, that, that you can do things that goes beyond your imagination. You think, how is that going to happen? How is God going to do this? It's impossible. Yeah, if you let go and let God, it is possible. Because God's not limited or lacking of wisdom, resource that he can't provide for you to make that happen. Am I making sense this morning? I've got two minutes. So there's a battle between the flesh and the spirit. It's doubt and faith, perseverance, spirit-led there's a couple of them I want to put up there. A renewed mind so that you're thinking right. Not a wrong mindset. You know, David knew this. David said in Psalm 27, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's faith speaking. I, I may have difficulties, but I'm not going to doubt God's goodness. And I will see it in the land of the living. That's the right mindset that says, I'm having difficulties, but do you know what? I might be at the end, but God isn't at the end. I might be at the end of my rope, but God's got a bigger rope he's going to throw down to me and not let go of that rope. There's no limitation on his rope or his resource. And then another, because I'm running out of time, another thing I want to just share briefly is the challenge between a bad attitude and a good attitude. And developing, through your difficulties, develop an attitude of gratitude in and through it. James says, consider it pure joy. God's growing your faith. God's got a plan for your life and he's going through things and he's not giving up on you and he's growing you. And he wants you to be mature and grow into everything he's got for you. Just because it's difficult, it's not, it's not over. You know, the difficulties don't don't. Don't determine your purpose and your destiny. God determines your purpose and your destiny, not your circumstances. And God's saying, I want you to just maintain that thankfulness of who I am. And I sent my son, Jesus, and I've given you the spirit to grow you and mature you so that you can be all that I've got for you. I don't want you to give up and stop right there, but learn to be thankful for what you do have. Learn to be thankful for the circumstances you're in. You know, Philippians 2, 3 to 8 says this. It says, he, Christ did not consider himself in equality with God. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being bound in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
in one version it says this. He, he, um, what was it? He, two seconds. He emptied himself. See, the journey of faith is not necessarily just about what we get from heaven. But the journey of faith is learning that the resource of heaven, like Christ, is here to be emptied. Am I making sense? If you want abundance, you've got to have an abundance mindset that says, I'm not just here for me. Like in Nehemiah, the, the storehouse to be filled was not just for themselves. The storehouse was to be there for many nations. So that it would overflow out of their life for others as well as themselves. And God wants you to have a, an abundant mindset, but a mindset that says, the Spirit is here to love, not just to take. And I want to share this scripture because this blessed my heart, especially what Sheridan said this morning. I'm going to finish with this. Mark 12. Because if you think it's about money, I want to challenge you this morning. I'm not asking for your money. God's not after your money. God's after your heart. And if money is in your heart, then maybe you've got an, an issue with the love of money and security and money. And God needs to speak to that, to you about that. He wants your heart first and foremost. So this is a scripture that Jesus is sitting and watching. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, only a few cents. Now, if you want to be a disciple, if you're a follower of Jesus, I just want you to listen to this and maybe come in close to Jesus speaking to you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you know what, you can listen to it, but if you want to be a disciple in your faith to grow, Jesus just calls in his disciples. And he says this, calling his disciples, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, the poor widow has put more in the treasury than all the others. It doesn't make sense. They've just put loads of money in, and she has not put loads of money in. She's put a tiny amount in, but Jesus says she's put more in. She's put more than all the rich people in. And it says, they gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything all she had to live on she's at the end of her life but I'm still going to trust God I may lack but my God does not lack I may be abandoned but my God will never abandon me I may be in suffering but my God hears my prayer I may have, I may have nothing yet I am rich because God has no lack you see, it's not about money, it's about faith. It's about you trusting in God, not just with your money, but your whole life. Your whole life is worship to God. The very things that you do at work, how you put your hand to something, God's looking and saying, will you do it right so I can put my favor upon it? Will you respond right to that person so I can bless them in and through you? It's your whole life is worshiping God. It's not the money God's after. He's after your heart. And he's after you to be a channel that finds the presence, the freedom, the abundance of God. And you be a channel in which God can pour out his blessings in and through you. Now, that is a journey, as I've said earlier. But I believe God wants to say this morning, there is no lack in God. And he doesn't want you to have a lack mindset. But he wants you to go on a journey of discovering who he is what he poured out for you his precious son heaven has been opened 
and it's available for you today, tomorrow, and the rest of your life and eternity. He's not going to take it back from you. He gives it generously, and it's yours forever and ever. Let us stand. I'm going to invite the band up. You know, we're going to sing this song. We'll sing, um, There's a Cloud. You know, it's talking about a cloud in the distance. You know, in a cloud, sometimes it looks dark. Sometimes life can feel like I've got a cloud over my life. But I want you to walk by faith today. And I want you to say that God is not putting bad things over your life. And when there are bad things over your life, I want you to have this mindset. A cloud has rain in it. Come on. A cloud has rain. The bad things God uses for good. I'm going to trust him through the cloud. I'm going to trust him through the sunshine. I'm going to trust in God. And I'm going to walk by faith now. And say there's a cloud that is over my life and God is bringing rain. I want you to remove the limitations off your mind and say, I'm going to believe for the blessing of God. Not only for me, but my family and what God wants to do in and through me. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We give you the praise. We thank you for Jesus that you didn't hold back your blessing, but you poured out everything. And Father, I pray this morning, where there's a poverty mindset, that God abundance would rise up. I rebuke any poverty mindset in this place and believe in the goodness of God and the abundance of God over your children this morning. And Father, we look to you this morning as a good, good Father who promises good things for me and you and everybody else. And Father, we come to you to worship you Holy Spirit, we invite you. Renew people's minds. Give them the wisdom that they need for life. And may they grow in the things of you as your children. May they be lacking nothing anymore. In Jesus' name, amen.